How's it going? How's your week been? Oh my God, oh my God, it's been a minute since I've seen you. Uh, yeah, Barely About Music, episode number 24. I am in another country. I'm in Los Angeles, California, and I'll tell you something. Nobody knows I'm here except my girlfriend because there's a lot of pressure when you go to a city that you don't live in to visit everybody that you know in that city. And I am known to crumble under pressure. So I did a bunch of sessions, a bunch of comedy stuff, a bunch of fake shark stuff, a bunch of music production and co-writing stuff in my country of Canada, my country of origin, if I may. And then I secretly and wistfully flew to this city, tried to surprise my girlfriend, didn't work. She somehow knew I was being weird, told me I was being weird. She called me when I was at the airport, and I answered for some reason, so she could hear them being like, uh, flight 27 to St. Louis is being delayed, and I was trying to mute the phone, so she couldn't hear that stuff happen. She's like, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm at the pharmacy. I don't know why I thought that would work. I'm bad at lying. I'm too honest. I should be a politician. That didn't make any sense. <clears throat> I think to be a politician, you've got to be really good at lying, right? So what's what what occupation is good for an honest Abe like me? Maybe a fortune teller. I don't know. I don't know. Do I believe in that? I don't know. Anyway, I'm here. I am uh, going to do some podcasts. I'm going to do some, a bunch of music writing. It's great because uh, no one can ask me to do anything out here, really. So uh, I can just write. I can write music. I can work on uh, some comedy stuff. I can just do whatever I want. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what my life is anyway, but I still find a way to feel stressed out. Anyway, you know what's weird about this podcast is just looking at the analytics. Did I pronounce that right? That was ironic. I just mispronounced the word pronounce. The biggest episode, the one that people share the most, is one where I am by myself... No guest talking about trip-hop. Why is that? That's weird. Isn't it? Maybe not. Um, sometimes this podcast gets off the rails as far as being about music. It's a lot of comedy. Uh, my other passion in life. So I feel like sometimes I should discuss uh, more music stuff. I mean, the the whole concept of this show was to have non-music people on and discuss music with them because and and also people who are musicians to discuss it because that's going to be two different kinds of conversations i often find that musician friends of mine people that do it professionally don't actually listen to any music and then friends of mine that are <clears throat> film directors or comedians or whatever listen to music and they like it more so i thought i thought that's why this would be interesting um that being said I still love both things, and I love movies, too, and I want to direct and write a movie one day. I did write a movie with the Soska sisters that we haven't uh, sent the script out for yet, but I want to do more of that. I kind of just want to do everything. Um, it's why I never feel like I have enough time, you know? And I was thinking, like, um, of my tastes, what would be, like, an interesting episode, you know, um, as far as just, just discussing music again. Um, and, and one of my passions is original hardcore music, like 80s punk rock, which I guess would be described as like second, second wave punk rock because 
the Ramones and the Clash, I think, would be like first wave. And then second wave would be the bands that are influenced by those bands like Black Flag and Bad Brains and Minor Threat, <clears throat> a lot of California and DC bands. And so I thought I'd kind of talk about that. Um, a big a hero of mine who I've talked about on this show before, just as far as work ethic and sort of body of work, is Henry Rollins. Uh, he was he was kind of the last vocalist of the band Black Flag. A lot of people know the Black Flag logo and are aware of the band, um, but don't really know the history of it, which is interesting. Like a lot of people don't know that the final lineup of the band had a female bass player, which is which is unique in such a male-dominated genre, and it was a real macho genre. And people people I think assume that just because you know you know the logo and you'll see it everywhere and you see the shirts that the band was successful, but it really wasn't. Um, I mean, right up until the end of their final tour in 84, they were all sleeping on the floor of people's garages. Henry Rollins was living in Greg Ginn's mother's uh, garage, like sleeping next to a lawnmower. Um, I know that it was a faux pas if you came to practice eating like a Snickers bar. It was not cool because your money, any money that you made was supposed to go back into the band, you know. And what's interesting is that uh, they inspired a lot of bands. Uh, and, And what I liked about it too is that that era of hardcore, you know, you could you could say bands like Flipper or the Me Puppets or whatever were within the genre, but they didn't all sound the same, and, and that's something that I miss, you know? Like, I like those kind of music festivals in the, in the 90s and, and in the 80s where they're being experimental with genres and lineups where you would have Public Enemy, a, you know, a punk rock rap group, on the same tour as Sisters of Mercy, Mercy, which is kind of like, you know, a goth pop metal band. <clears throat> and everyone was being exposed to different things. And and I think that that was great to move music forward. And then as a result of that stuff, you had things like Rage Against the Machine come out, which is really kind of the next step of something like Public Enemy. And, and that's important. And uh, it's interesting where music is at today because... It's so hip hop. Like everything seems like it's kind of participating in the realm of hip hop. But I feel like the the stuff that it's participating in is so far removed from the roots of hip hop, which is, you know, what are the four elements of hip hop? It's rapping, graffiti, breakdancing, and I think sampling. And I mean, you know, you don't see really any of that besides rapping in the current incarnation of hip hop there if there are a few exceptions of course like Kendrick Lamar is so um in love with with the craft of hip hop and its roots and he he often like when he went on SNL on the 20th anniversary of Method Man's album Tikal and he dressed like Method Man like that's so cool 
you know. And he he really gave the bass player Thundercat like a new life, a new career. Because Thundercat was like a funk bass player, but then he played in the punk band Suicidal Tendencies, and now he's like the most on-call bass player in the world, and it's really because of Kendrick Lamar. So there you go. Once again, it's like punk rock and hip-hop somehow crossing paths. They're really not that that different in a lot of ways in, it, in the in the origins of their spirit and they both came from <clears throat> really those those riots in New York in the early in the late 70s where everyone was stealing equipment a lot of people that stole equipment in those riots started bands punk bands and then a lot of the other people stole equipment and started hip hop groups and became DJs and uh so their roots are similar and i think really their roots trace back to like ska you know the skinhead movement <clears throat> I realize I'm all over the place. It's how my mind works. Um, but yeah, I think um, my favorite of the early hardcore bands, though, is Bad Brain. were a band from D.C., Washington, D.C. Uh, they started off as a reggae band. They were called Soul Brains. And then they heard the Sex Pistols and they changed their minds on, on what kind of music they wanted to make. But they'd still have reggae songs within their albums and set lists and stuff. And then they inspired bands to start, like, for instance, like Beastie Boys. Because Beastie Boys, their acronym, BB, they, they wanted to have a, a 2B name, to be like Bad Brains. And they actually started as a hardcore band. They just really wanted to sound like Bad Brains. And Bad Brains were the first all-black punk rock band. And people didn't know that. And so there were these kind of semi-racist punk rock shows that were booking Bad Brains, and then Bad Brains would get there because this is, you know, pre-social media, obviously, in the early 80s, and then realize that they'd booked a, a band of black people and they had to make a decision real quick about if they're going to be racist about it or if they're going to embrace it because they already love the music. <clears throat> so they're important in that regard. And the singer HR is still maybe my main live music performance influence. He's just so captivating. And I love how fast their music was. And their first record, it's, it's just self-titled. It's just called Bad Brains. It's got a really iconic picture uh cover art of like lightning hitting the white house is uh you'd know what to see it but you should listen to the album <clears throat> even bands like no doubt you know cite bad brains as a major major influence and then you know deftones would tour with them and system of a down to bring them on tour and i think more people should know about them what's interesting too is that h arts at a certain point the singer he kind of had some sort of kind of breakdown and uh and he thought 
at a show, he he was on mushrooms and he thought he saw someone, a guy in the in the audience, like physically abusing a woman. Um, but he 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 didn't understand what he saw. He what he was actually seeing was like them hugging. But he thought that this guy was hurting this woman, so he went to the crowd during their show and like hospitalized this dude. And then he went to prison for it. Um, and then and then they did a song. Uh, with HR, and he did the vocal for it through the phone at prison. Um, I think that song's called Reignition. And um, and they just had all these problems like that. And uh, I feel like they never fully got their due. And then because of Beastie Boys, Beastie Boys brought them on tour and would just name-check them all the time. They started to sort of gain some popularity, but HR was in prison, so the, there's nothing they could really do about it. So what they did is they got signed to a major label, but they had no vocalist, so they got a sound-alike guy to sing for them and and just didn't, like, mention it. So, you know, their hardcore fans were like, who the hell is this guy? But most people didn't even notice that they just had, like, a different vocalist for a while. And then while he was in prison, HR discovered um rastafarian culture and he came out totally peaceful totally changed like before that on stage he was crazy he was doing backflips he was stage diving you know he was he was dancing he was doing all this stuff i mean like i said before he was like fighting people and then when he came out he he just he would barely move on stage he kind of just sort of float over the music and things changed and they've released several records since then um and uh they're just very inspirational. Most Def, the rapper, his first record, his first solo record, I should say, is called Black on Both Sides. And there's a song on there called Rock and Roll. And his band for it is Dr. No, the guitar player from Bad Brains. Uh, Norwood Fisher from Fishbone, I think. And then the drummer from Living Color. I think that's the band. Um, and And they still will be like i said name checked by you know current current heavy musicians great band i also like the black flag one cool thing about them is that you know they 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 really put an emphasis on hard work and the diy spirit and then greg ginn who started the band and wrote the songs mostly um also, his brother created that logo and did all their their posters. Raymond Pettibon, and he's he's done, he did artwork for Sonic Youth and and um, and various other art artists. The Goo artwork, the Sonic Youth album Goo, he did that artwork, which is iconic. Uh, another interesting thing about Rollins and sort of the the Black Flag mythos is that I think more or less uh, Henry Rollins and Ian from Minor Threat kind of invented uh, straight-edge kids putting X's on their hands. If you see someone with an X on their hand, it means they don't drink or do drugs or whatever. And I think that started because the two of them would go to punk rock shows at bars before they were old enough to drink. And so they would draw X's on their hands so that everyone there knew that they were too young to drink, but they were just there for the show. That carries on today. Uh, you will see... I mean, that's a whole movement now. I don't know if you know what straight-edge culture is or straight-edge movement, but, I mean, there's a genre of music called straight-edge hardcore, which is bands like Earth Crisis and Strife. It's basically like riffs, uh, heavy riffs with screaming over top, and it's usually about sort of uh, 
positivity and, and whatnot. And I know that in the 90s, there was an outbreak of violent situations at those bands' concerts where uh, straight-edge kids were, like, beating up kids who were drinking. Another important band from this time, uh, sort of early hardcore, would be the band Dead Kennedys. Uh, their singer, Jello Biafra, he started a record label called Alternative Tentacles, and he signed a lot of important bands. One of the more interesting artists he signed was a guy named Wesley Willis. Wesley Willis was a, uh, he's passed away, he's since passed away. Um, he was an interesting guy. He probably weighed about 400 pounds. Uh, he had severe schizophrenia, and he would write about 30 albums a month. And every song was more or less the same. It was just the demo uh, song of his keyboard, and he would yell over top of it. Uh, such notable songs are the songs Alanis Morissette. Also, there's a song called Dave Grohl. There's a song called Cut the Mullet with such lyrics as Tell your barber you're sick of looking like an asshole. And they were hilarious. And he would open for big-ass bands and big-ass tours. Like, he opened for Foo Fighters in, a, in, a, in, in arenas. And basically, his show would just be him with a keyboard just yelling. And then afterwards, he'd go meet every person who wanted to meet him and headbutt them. Uh, he was hilarious. And Jello Biafra signed him. And then... He, he, there's actually a great documentary on him too which is worth watching I think there's only the one it's on YouTube you should watch it do something about your long filthy hair it looks like a rat's nest do something about your mullet get out the hair clippers jerk cut the mullet cut the mullet cut the mullet cut the mullet Get the rat's nest off your head. Get that crazy ass mullet off your skull. Take your ass to the barber shop. Tell the barber that you're sick of looking like an asshole. Cut the mullet. Cut the mullet. Cut the mullet. Cut the mullet. The mother is the reason why people hate you. They are sick of looking at your nappy weed sack. Nobody wants to look at you with that mother on your head. Why don't you cut that mother, you numb score? Cut the mullet. Cut the mullet. Cut the mullet. Cut the mullet. Rock over London, rock over Chicago, insure what? It's the insurance superstore. Oh, also, he always ends every song with uh, a slogan from a, an already successful business, like, rock, on, rock over London, rock on Chicago, Wheaties, they are the breakfast of champions. And one time I heard Howard Stern interviewing him, and Howard Stern was like, why do you do that? And he's like, oh, because it's, it's so catchy, it's already catchy, I don't even need to write anything, which is a good point. Some blatant plagiarism, but it's a good point. And I will leave you on this. As I was saying, the early hardcore genre is a mixed bag. None of it really sounded the same, but it seemed to influence a lot of bands that ended up becoming very big. And so what I will leave you with is uh, a, an original song by one of my favorite bands, The Damned. They're a punk band from England featuring vocalist Dave Vanian, who, who looked like a vampire. And I kind of think he was... Uh, he that 
that vocalist and style inspired the band AFI, who are kind of pop punk but vampire-y. And also, uh, also in the dam is the guitar player Captain Sensible, who always wore sunglasses on stage. And this is the band Offspring, speaking of current bands who made it big, being inspired by that style of music, covering their song Smash It Up for the Batman Forever soundtrack, which was a great soundtrack. Had Nick Cave in the Bad Seeds, PJ Harvey, and also Kiss from a Rose by Seal, the greatest song of all time. So thank you very much for listening. This is a short one, no guest, Los Angeles edition. There are cats all around me. I will talk to you next week. Bye. Play.